episode four is sponsored by that you don't need the money, we need the money hedge fund. A financial institution dedicated to maximising profits for only a few people whilst the masses slowly die out. The fund is a proud supporter of the council and often makes generous donations in support of their great work in further deregulating the financial sector. For the few will always be more important than the many. Monsoon Jackson, Series 3, Episode 4, Shiny. The new plan, while fraught with ethical considerations that frankly neither of them cared enough about, started to bear fruit. They started at the start, keeping things simple, taking out low-level employees who would barely register on their employer's radar. But as time went on, the body count started to feature as part of the boardroom agenda. The key and reoccurring theme was to just reveal where Priva was, lure them there, and then kill them all. While this presented a practical solution, it was hardly interesting. Anyone could lure desperate people to their deaths. You only had to look at reality shows. People had literally died as a consequence of being on them. But nothing stopped more of them being made. Who cared about a few deaths when there was money to be made? Another favourite was hiring an assassin. It was pointed out that with Sicario already being an assassin, it could be that once they hired someone, they would just take the money and do nothing. It was not as if they could really ask for the money back. That would just, amongst more life-limiting considerations, be embarrassing. And would they even know who they'd hired? After all, the first rule of Assassin Club was... There was also the killing Priva option and having done with it all. While this provided a huge cost-saving in terms of guards, heating, lighting, toilet facilities and catering, they were not total monsters, it did open up that possibility that they may all become targets. Not that they were scared, it's just for a balance of probabilities, they knew Monsoon Jackson was unhinged, and had to assume an assassin working with him wasn't a super great combination to work against. And, in their defence, he flushed a mob boss into space, and Sicario then headshot their successor, all in one afternoon. They hadn't gotten to grow old making rash decisions, and they were definitely not scared, just to be absolutely clear. So, to sum up, keeping her alive wasn't in any way cowardice, but simple insurance and good thinking. And if anyone said different, they'd be sleeping with whatever was the equivalent of fishes when you lived on a mainly barren rock hurtling through space. This left one realistic option. The general feeling that the criminal empire really should be able to sort this out themselves. They didn't want it getting out that they'd had to hire, or that they'd panicked and killed the hostage. This was the first sign of weakness. The other sharks in the pool would sense that quickly enough. And so, after much protracted resistance, human resources were invited to the next board meeting. 
Despite being strictly instructed they were only here for one reason, this did not stop the HR assistant from spending the first hour updating them on policy, health insurance, and their obligations around data privacy. Seriously, why did they run themselves like a business? This was like punishment for trying to be professional. As the meeting went into the second hour, and the threats towards the HR assistant had now extended to their entire family, and anyone they'd ever loved, or met, they finally relented and brought up a list of internal candidates. While the options were studied, it continued to remain a surprise to senior management just how much they were paying out on private medical expenses. They understood doing crime came with risks, yet it still felt like their employees were milking the benefits package a bit. I mean, can you really need that many therapy sessions just because you were shot and only just survived after managing to crawl into a nearby sewer and stitching your own wound up whilst keeping some organs pushed inside. Eventually, after the refreshment trolley had been restocked three times because everyone was after the Bourbons, they whittled it down to their 12 least injured and most aggressive employees. This was reduced further as they selected the most expendable. Then finally, to get them down to four, the ones they really didn't like that much. And there it was. A team of four well-versed in crime and an acceptable number of murders between them. They were, by all accounts, a despicable bunch and would be the ones to finally rid them of these troublesome pests. Although, just to be on the safe side, they selected a further three groups of four. This was in no way to suggest they didn't have the utmost confidence in the first team, the Alpha team, the best of the best team. It was just because HR had demanded that they'd follow their equality policy. At least, that's what they'd explain if they were asked. Monsoon reholstered Mary Jane and surveyed the warehouse. In the distance, he could feel Sicario's eyes burning into him. They shot first. There was silence, only broken by the final death moans from some of the recently retired employees. Monsoon didn't like being made to feel uncomfortable. Well, they did. Still nothing. Monsoon was about to try for a third time when Sicario interjected. Just one. We just needed one. Alive, and I cannot stress this second part strongly enough, with the required biology to be able to talk. Monsoon looked around, hoping to find someone to prove Sicario wrong. It was not looking hopeful. Then he had a light bulb moment, something very much a light bulb for him, but a blanket of darkness for everyone else. We could hack their database and find out what we need to know. Sicario walked towards him. We? Monsoon looked back at him, but said nothing. And by we, you mean me. Well, once again, you stand behind me and make incredibly irritating suggestions about have I tried turning it off and on again, or tried password as the password. That sort of thing, yes. Well, of course, had you left someone alive, we could have just got the information we needed straight away. You don't know that. I mean, they might have lied. Sicario said nothing, although his demeanour gave a very clear, why me, slump. They might have. However, in my experience, being surrounded by a sea of dead colleagues and knowing your one chance not to join them is to be honest, 
People tend to go with that. The desire not to die almost always outweighs loyalty, and certainly easier than sitting around trying to dig around in their data while, oh, you know, the solar force is probably responding to reports of many, many, many shots fired. To underline his point, at that exact moment, the wailing sirens of a solar force vehicle arrived overhead. They were not big on subtlety and liked to announce their arrival to give the guilty time to run away. This wasn't a moral decision, it was the amount of paperwork. There was just too much paperwork, and if they really had to arrest you, you could be sure you'd be treated with the disdain and fury of someone who now has to spend precious moments of their life filling in far too many documents than could possibly be necessary. All in all, it was better if A, everyone was already dead, as that only required a single form, or B, you'd already escaped and everyone else was dead, as that meant they still only had to fill in a single form with a brief addendum. Survivors meant paperwork. Most irritating. Monsoon would have commented about how it wasn't like this in his day, but, given what he'd done in his life, it felt churlish. Besides, it very much was like it was in his day. It's just growing older, you remember the good bits, and sigh about how the youth of today don't know how good they've got it, and how your teenage years were so very hard. You know, with the drinking, smoking, nights of fumbled passion, parties, and all those other challenges you'd somehow managed to struggle through. But he was, if nothing else, aware of the paperwork. Therefore, it was his civic duty to leave now, to ensure his ex-employee only had a single form to fill out. From a safe distance, they watched the Solar Force officers high-fiving themselves. Only the one form, but they still got to count the bodies as part of their arrest record. Not that it was a competition, of course. That would be reprehensible, and in no way was there an annual competition, with the winner being bought drinks until they slipped into unconsciousness. Then, the inevitable scuffle broke out as the officers attempted to complete the form first on their console. They could have split the bodies between them, but that wasn't how it worked. It was the first to submit the form. Like a schoolyard, shins were being kicked, arms being slapped, and shoves being given. This carried on until one of them let out a congratulatory whoop, completely inappropriate given their surroundings. The other officer pushed him over and ran to their patrol vehicle. By the time they were back on their feet, the vehicle was already in the air and flying away. It was rightly frowned upon to leave a single crew member anywhere in the districts due to some people having negative opinions about the Solar Force. And, for some reason, those in charge of the Solar Force just could not understand those reasons why. However, abandoning your colleague was generally accepted if they'd just leapt to the top of the dead don't dance league table. Monsoon opened his mouth to speak. No! I was just going to say... I know what you were just going to say, and again, no. I can't see the harm in... We are not going to offer body count locations to solar officers in exchange for credits. It is unacceptable. I was thinking more of the bodies being collected and buried before... Well... Before they went a bit... Jelly. Trying to minimise the distress to their families who are already suffering due to the sudden loss of their husband, father, 
wife, mother, daughter, sister, and so on. It was, it was just an attempt at compassion. Sicario gave a simple raised eyebrow. Fine, whatever. Paint me as the bad guy in all of this. Please, just try and not kill everyone next time. I beg you, and that's coming from me, an assassin, so should mean something. We need information. Where to next? Do you promise? I'm not a child! Monsoon stomped in a manner at that once both admitted he knew he was in the wrong, but also damn well was not going to admit it. Much like all men ever, although maybe just not all of the time, just most of it. Well, it was a matter of perspective, or admitting that only women really grow up. Men just got larger. Guess which option most men chose. Sicario watched him impassively. Of course, this mission was taking its toll, but it had impacted on him as well. More so, given Priva was his relation. He respected the fact Monsoon had sacrificed his new life to help out. Let's be honest, how long would he have tended to his small vegetable patch before the urge to shoot someone became uncontrollable? Monsoon turned to give Sicario his, well, are you coming or not look. He knew it wouldn't help. He just couldn't resist it. You don't know where we're going. Monsoon gave a brief, well-known hand signal. Then they laughed. They both laughed. This was a pressurised situation, and they had to do this sometimes to keep themselves sane. Sicario walked towards Monsoon and pointed, pointlessly, up into space. We're going there. Monsoon couldn't help himself, and he looked towards where Sicario was pointing. He then looked back at Sicario. Narrow it down a bit? I mean, we're not going somewhere stupidly far away like the Oort Cloud, are we? (laughs) He laughed, then realised only he was laughing. Oh, come on. You can't be serious. No, not quite that far. Monsoon laughed, relieved to hear it. Sicario let it linger before he stepped in with the killer reply. But we are going too far, far out. Monsoon immediately stopped laughing. Not only is that the most ridiculous name ever to give a rock, but it's also stupidly far away and extremely cold. Who on earth can possibly live there that we need to speak to? Who on far, far out, you mean? Monsoon clapped his hand on the grip of one of his Mary Janes. I'll do it. I mean it. I will shoot you if I have to. Sicario patted him on the shoulder, just this side of not being patronising. Monsoon unclapped his hand. Anyway, it's not so much who as what. There's allegedly a weapons testing facility. Apparently the Vens abandoned the facility after the robot soldiers they were testing did what everyone always secretly feared killing as a function robot soldiers would do. But if you know about this, then surely everyone else does and and that place has been stripped to the bone. People have tried, but killer robot soldiers. They were programmed to defend their home. Unfortunately, the programmers didn't spend long enough reflecting on what that really meant. They meant keep us safe. The killer robots decided this meant protecting the home for anything other than the killer robot soldiers. Yeah, but even so, their their batteries or whatever must have drained by now. Sicario tried to suppress the sigh, but still managed to pinch the bridge of his nose in the same way people about to have a headache do. (sighs) 
these were robot soldiers, you know, designed to go kill and keep killing until someone killed them. So, not unsurprisingly, the boffins ruled out having to sit down for a lovely recharge after 250 kills. And yeah, they do have a battery pack, but that's only part of it. Their own movement creates energy, as does the solar lights at the facility. Should have switched them off before they fled. No one fled, Monsoon. When I said abandoned, I meant that in the sense that they didn't send anyone else there. Monsoon reflected on this for a moment. So, if everyone is dead, and everyone who's tried to rob the place is dead, why is this actually the next place we need to visit? Sicario pinched the top of his nose again and clenched his eyes together. Because you've just killed everyone. I was hoping one of them would have given up details on their employees and the long forgotten about a rear entrance we could have slipped through unnoticed, but instead, we are going to need the kind of armour and weapons that even the Vens aren't stupid enough to try and recover. Monsoon's gears turned. So you're saying because of my actions we're going to get some big guns? Defended by what now must be psychotic level robot soldiers. But, but nonetheless, big guns, yes? Sicario gave up at this point. Resistance was futile. Although, surely Carla could sort us out with some decent weapons? I'm prepared to bet credits that somewhere in that Emporium is a room filled with weapons, all nicely mounted on the walls for no apparent reason. But that's the kind of weapons they'll have. What we're going to need is the kind of weapons that will make them want to immediately surrender. You know, before we get tired. I mean, it's not as if you're getting any younger, is it? It was too late. Monsoon was already lost in thought. Big guns. Sicario walked away to a side alley. The only real way they could travel these days. Come on, we're going to need a bigger ship. They arrived at the dusty, poorly maintained area of the port. There were never any cameras in this area, which suited them perfectly. Sicario surveyed the range of craft on offer. Most of them were hopeless, slow, cheaply made, and more importantly, the kind of thing he wouldn't be seen dead in. He was aware that banging on about how big engines and luxury fittings in what was effectively a transport box made him sound like a complete tool. But on this occasion, he was right. Far, far out was a painfully long way away, and he had no desire in spending more time in a box than was absolutely necessary. And then he had to factor in being in that shared space with Monsoon. Monsoon was the kind of traveller that port attendants dreaded. Not actually nasty, but just endlessly moaning about things they couldn't fix. They hadn't built the craft, no, they didn't know why the seats were too small, large, high or low depending on needs. Yes, the beverages were more expensive than your local shop, but that was mainly because they were being served to you while you were flying through space. Something it shouldn't need to be pointed out, your local shop lacked in terms of options. And no, you did need to stay in your seat during takeoff and landing. Not really because they cared if you were injured, more that it meant they could have a break sitting a long way from you and ignoring the buzzer constantly being pressed. Without hesitating, Sicario turned to Monsoon. No moaning. We're clear on that? Whatever craft we borrow, I don't want to hear about why did the owners choose this colour scheme or how the seats aren't comfortable, or whatever it is that you don't like. Understood? 
How about that one? Sicario wanted to follow up on his request, but his eyes followed Monsoon's finger, and he smiled. There was an infra-pink lizard emblem on the neutrino cowling. All they needed to know was that this was a special craft. The kind of people that could afford a Laszlo Lyricon custom job would have the kind of craft dripping in luxury. Okay, but the no-whining rule still applies. They slunk off towards the craft. The black paint job was so reflective they found it difficult to sneak up on it. Not that you really can sneak up on an inanimate object, but still, they felt sneaking was appropriate. Naturally, such an expensive craft would be humming with security devices and oversized hosts designed to actively encourage you to move on. Now, before they snapped you. However, it turned out the owners were so rich, it hadn't occurred to them anyone would have the audacity to steal from them. The door opened upon being pushed, and they scurried inside. Inside, the craft was just as black. Opulent, but black. It was clearly designed to be used as a galactic limo. Sicario sat down and stared at the control panel. After moving his finger around as if choosing a chocolate from a box, he pushed a button. A small black light illuminated itself on another panel, but nothing else. A sign lit up stating, do not push this button again. How's it going? Well, every time I tried to operate one of these weird black controls that are labelled in black on a black background, a little black light lights up black to let me know I've done it. Monsoon leant in to take a closer look. No, 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 you go away. Monsoon ignored him and touched another button. The outside of the craft lit up with tremendously powerful and blinding landing lights. They went out immediately. Back inside the craft, Monsoon had already stepped back from the console. Insensitive as he was, even he knew when perhaps it was best to let someone else do it. Moments later, the craft took off. It ignored the requests to confirm its flight path and roared through the exit gate, putting a large scratch in the side as it did. While the casual observer couldn't be sure, that last manoeuvre felt deliberate. With thanks to everyone who brought this to life. Heather Dent Cowan for supporting me always. The series was voiced by Paul Litchfield as the narrator, Jeremy Lim as Monsoon Jackson, Tiernan Duyeb as Sicario, Rosie Holt as Eva, Alison Ward as Carla, Amanda Redman as Priva and the adverts, Toby Haydock as the credits, and Tom Austin Morgan for editing this together. Written by Andy Case, soundtrack by Andy Case, for Leitmotif Productions Limited, copyright 2023.